Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for January 24th, 2018. Nine-game slate, some goofy situations to go through, starting with the Phoenix at Indiana Pacers game, mostly because Greg Monroe started last game. He was an awesome play. He was in all my lineups that night. But we don't know if he's starting again tonight. And not only might he not start tonight, he could very easily be a DNP coach's decision. So how to approach this, for me at least, is at least the game is the first game to start on the slate. So hopefully at least an hour or so, maybe earlier before lock, we'll find out who's starting at center. It's probably going to be either Tyson Chandler or Greg Monroe. Greg Monroe, 5,600. I think he's fine to play plus matchup against the Pacers if he's starting. If he's not the starting center, I'm going to assume that he plays zero minutes in the game. So that's kind of where I stand with it. It's really ridiculous. I think that he's either going to play 30 minutes and start, or he's going to play zero minutes. And I actually don't think there's an in-between scenario. Yeah, it's the, um. before you get to the other side, I'll just say that it's it's good that the Suns have at least set it up where whoever the starter is, is the one who plays the most minutes. Like There are some teams where they mix up their starting lineup a lot like the Kings or Lakers or Nets, and then the backup sometimes ends up playing way more than the starter. But at least with Phoenix and their rotating center position, the starter does almost always play the most minutes, barring like a huge blowout where Alex Len ends up being the guy with the most minutes. But for the most part, we can assume that the starter is going to be a good play. We'll just have to wait to see who that is. Yeah, just we just don't know right now. And the other thing also is that the, the Pacers do allow uh, either – the most or second most fantasy points to centers. I forget where they stand now, but they're, they're bad against center. So it's a good spot for whoever ends up starting. From the Pacers' side of the game, Miles Turner could end up coming back. He's currently questionable. Even if he does come back, we don't know if he's going to play full minutes or if he's going to be on a minutes restriction. If he's out, Sabonis is a, is a strong play. Thaddeus Young is a stronger play. Uh, but if he's in, I don't really have much interest in either of those guys. And then Victor Oladipo, I think, is in play no matter what. Yeah, it's a really good matchup for the Pacers, and I guess if Miles Turner is still out, then it's an upgrade for whoever the Suns' starting center is. Uh, it would hurt. No, no, no if, it would hurt that guy to have to face uh, Miles Turner's defense. Um, so if Turner's in, maybe a bit of a downgrade to Phoenix, also because there's a little more blowout risk. The Pacers are seven and a half point favorites. They'd probably be about nine point favorites if Miles Turner's playing. Although that would kind of be assuming that he plays some reasonable number of minutes. I don't think he'll be limited to 20 minutes or something. He probably plays, I don't know, 25 to 30 on a restriction. Could be more if he doesn't have a restriction. And then Oladipo at 9,200. I think that's generally about where he should be priced. And it's it's a good matchup. So I'm, I'm slightly wary of the blowout risk, but I think he's a fine play. All right. The next game is an exciting one because it is the first game for DeMarcus Cousins since his 105 fantasy points. 103.25. That's the, 103 he and a quarter. He scored a lot of points. He definitely that's, did. That's I think. He scored a lot of points. His price has gone up so much. He's only at 11,600. This isn't a particularly great matchup for him against Dwight Howard. I think that Anthony Davis is a fairly interesting play at 10,800 because I assume that people are going to want to roster DeMarcus Cousins anyway. I just think it's not even like an ownership thing or anything. I just think the price is too high on DeMarcus Cousins for this matchup. So Anthony Davis, I don't really think is a great play, uh, but I do think he has more upside at 10,800 than Cousins does at 11,600. From the Hornets side of the game, uh, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist is expected to play. He 
missed last game and left two games ago early with a foot injury. I think it was called an axle strain, which apparently that's in people and cars. So Dwight Howard, E200, Kemba Walker, 8,000. I don't really think there's a lot of value here. I just think a lot of these guys are fairly priced. It should be a high-scoring game. So maybe if you want to make some kind of stack with like Kemba Walker, Dwight Howard, and Anthony Davis – that could be a feasible strategy, but there's not really a lot of value here. Yeah, this is uh, <clears throat> this is one of those games where there's a really high total, a lot of high-profile players, a lot of name value, and there just isn't a lot of pricing value. Everyone is pretty expensive. Cousins, like you said, way priced up. But even Dwight Howard, I think above 8000 is only really usable in good matchups. Kemba Walker is pretty expensive. And Anthony Davis was really good, too, last game. I think he was close to 60 fantasy points. So it's not like he's going to be low-owned just because people gravitate to Cousins. I think a lot of people will use both Davis and Cousins, or at least there should be ownership on both of them that's pretty significant, even if it's not in the same lineup. Uh, that is a popular strategy for people to roster Davis and Cousins together. I certainly wouldn't do it in this spot. I don't think it's always the wrong play, but definitely not here, especially when they're both priced up. Um, so I, I think that this game is just a fade. Because there is some pricing value on expensive guys that we're going to get to. And Anthony Davis might just be a fringe play that if you have the right amount of salary for a last roster spot, then plug him in. But I think there are just better spots to target. It's a pretty big slate with a lot of options, so I think I'm off this game. All right, well, the next game is, I think, easily the worst game on the slate. The Utah Jazz-Detroit Pistons. Two slow-paced teams that are decent on defense. I think this game is a pretty easy fade. Yeah, uh, I think the next one that you're about to mention is the better spot, so let's just skip over this one because there's basically nothing to talk about here. So the next game is the Bulls at the Sixers. This game uh, has, what is it, the second highest total on the slate behind the Charlotte-New Orleans game, but much more reasonably priced players. The issue still from the Bulls side is that I don't really like too many guys from them. Zach Levine, his minutes restriction is expected to go up. He's supposed to go from 20 minutes to about 24. So that will probably take some a couple minutes of playing time away from Jerry and Grant and Justin Holiday. And then still we have Markin and Amiritich are really expensive. A lot of these guys had really good games last time out, except it's worth noting that the game was a double overtime game. So everybody played a lot more minutes and had a lot more production. I think Jerry and Grant at 5,800 is probably the best play on the Bulls, except I still think that's more than I want to pay for Grant, who for the season is averaging 25.5 fantasy points as a starter. I think that what people might overlook is that Grant was in this same exact situation at the beginning of the year. They didn't have Chris Dunn. He was injured. Grant was the starting point guard, and he didn't play particularly well then. His price got was at a peak of 5,300, and he kind of hovered around the high 4,000, low 5,000 mark. So I think 5,800 is just a little bit too high for me for Grant. From the Sixer side of the game, I do think that there's a lot of potential value here because J.J. Redick is already out. T.J. McConnell is away from the team due to a death in the family. So we have also, and Jared Bayless is questionable. So it's I'm not sure what they're going to do it guard if Bayless can't play since they're already out McConnell. So maybe Ben Simmons just plays a ton of minutes at point guard at 7,600. 
I think Sarge could play some point guard because we saw him play kind of like a point forward role towards the end of last year for a point in time. So I think that Simmons and Sarge are both good players. I think Covington's a good play, 5,700. And then Joel Embiid is kind of always a good play. And at 9,700 in a plus matchup for him, I think it's a good spot. Well, it's worth noting that Brett Brown actually said that Ben Simmons would get more minutes for this game with TJ McConnell out and with JJ Redick already out. Um, this is the game where I think they're the best players to pay up for, and they're not even that expensive. So Joel Embiid is a lot cheaper than guys like Cousins and Davis. He probably is as good as those guys, if not better, and we saw what they did to the Bulls. I mean, it did go to double overtime, but Cousins still at 85 fantasy points in regulation. It's a good matchup for Embiid. It's an it's a high-paced game, and maybe, I don't know if his usage is impacted really by Redick not being there and McConnell not being there, but I think Embiid is just too cheap anyway. Uh, ben Simmons is the interesting target, though. I think he's a really, really strong play. He should get a lot more minutes than usual. Um, his minutes have been somewhat limited, I think, because McConnell has just played really well and Simmons has stayed off the floor. Uh, there have been a few blowouts the Sixers were involved in, but Simmons has had games where he's been in foul trouble, he's just been on the bench while McConnell did better than him, basically. Um, so Simmons, his minutes have fluctuated basically between 27 and 35. I think we'll see him over 35 minutes. I think that's his floor for minutes, assuming the game is reasonably close. Um, and this is also the cheapest he's been all year at 7,600. Uh, he was priced over 10,000 at one point. His average price is probably somewhere in the mid to high 8,000s. So with more of a minutes floor, much higher ceiling, I think Simmons and Embiid playing them together is a good strategy. I think Sarge is fine. And uh, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but Luwawu Cabrero, he's going to have to play more minutes, right? And maybe also Justin Anderson. Yeah, so we got TLC, Timothy, Luwawu Cabrero. One thing that's interesting about him is he played really well down the stretch of last season, and he was so bad for almost this entire season and then scored 24 and a half and 26 and a half fantasy points over the last couple games. So he's going to start again. Uh, uh, assuming that Jared Bayless is out, Timothy Luau Cabrera would start again. And even though he's been so terrible this year, I think just based on the fact that he was a starter towards the end of last year and was priced at as high as 6,000 at that point in time, I think he's worth looking at and, I think that whatever it was that made it so that he was playing so poorly when he got playing time at the beginning of the year, he has potential to play better. Yeah, I agree with that. I think him and Anderson, well, probably only Justin Anderson if Bayless is out, and maybe the same for Cabarro. Um, and then Covington and Sarge might just be a little pricey. I think they're both worth considering, but I'm going to be much heavier on Simmons and Embiid. Um, also, because I don't really like anyone from the Bulls' side. This isn't this isn't actually a good stack spot. The Bulls' prices are kind of inflated, I think, largely because of the double overtime game where a lot of them had huge fantasy performances. And then the Zach Levine situation kind of just hurts everyone. The front court's a little bit crowded um, now that everyone's healthy there. So there's not a ton to like from the Bulls. I think it's pretty likely that someone has a huge game, but you're, you're kind of just guessing if you're trying to figure out who that'll be. And the Sixers with Embiid in aren't some easy matchup. So I think limiting yourself to two, maybe three Philly players in a lineup is probably the maximum that it makes sense to go with if you're not using any Chicago players, because I don't think, think this is a good stack spot. I think it just makes more sense to go with a couple guys from the Sixers in most lineups. Yeah, um, I agree with you agreeing with me. 
Uh, next game here is the Toronto Raptors at the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, the price are kind of down for the Toronto players, and this is a good spot for them. So I think Lowry, DeRozan, Ibaka are all in play. Ibaka's been not great since coming back from uh, was he? In, oh no, he had that game. He got a, he had a one game suspension, and he was playing well before the suspension, and has not had any good games since coming back. But he was literally a priced over six thousand two weeks ago. And has just kind of fallen apart over the last couple weeks. But 4900 is really cheap for Baca, so I think he's in play. From the Atlanta side of the game, let's see, what are the prices for these guys? Atlanta kind of has everybody healthy right now, so it makes the situation tough to figure out for fantasy because with John Collins, Dwayne Dedman, Ersan Olisova just all playing minutes in the front court, nobody's really getting a lot of playing time. I think Dennis Schroeder is okay at 6800 just because that's cheap for him and He's played pretty well for the most part this year. But other than that, not really much interest in the Hawks. I'm going to guess that the prices on the Raptors are a little bit skewed because of their opponent. And maybe the DraftKings pricing algorithm has factored in some blowout risk. But it's not really a lot of blowout risk because the game's in Atlanta. Uh, I guess Toronto just hasn't played that well lately and some prices have come down. So it might make sense to go with um, sort of a mini stack of like Ibaka with either Lowry or DeRozan and then maybe Schroeder. But actually, I think John Collins is in play too at 4,600. His minutes have been a little more consistent lately. And Torian Prince is still really cheap. Uh, I think 4,800 is just too low for him. And he's been playing poorly with that finger injury. But not all of the games where he's dealt with this have been bad, especially his recent one where he got close to 30 fantasy points in 25 minutes. Um, and those first two games after he got hurt in Denver and in L.A. against the Clippers, he was around 30 to 35 fantasy points. So I think there was a stretch there for four games where maybe he was a little more injured than we knew about. There were a couple blowouts, I think one blowout in there, and um, he kind of just didn't make his shots. I think he actually hit zero field goals in one of those games. But the last two games have been more encouraging. And if you're going to go with those Toronto guys, I think it does make sense to go with Schroeder or Prince or both and maybe even John Collins also. It's just not enough minutes for any of those guys for me. So Prince is playing. So we played 25 minutes last game, but then 19 the game before, then 36, then 25, 27. He scored under 12 fantasy points in four of his last five games, which is kind of alarming. Yeah, but I think that that has a lot to do with the dislocated finger that he was dealing with. And the minute ceiling doesn't seem to have changed. I think it's just the minutes floor if he's showing some symptoms of it bothering him or he's just not playing well. I think the floor is low, so he's definitely risky. He's a tournament play only, but I think his minute ceiling is high enough that he could really crush his price, uh, his value at his price tag of only 4,800 if he actually does get the consistent minutes that he's gotten pretty recently. It's not like the, there's too crowded of a rotation for him to play a lot. I think it has more to do with just how poorly he's been playing. Yeah, I mean, maybe, or... I don't know. Just there's nobody other than Schroeder. Nobody on this team is playing over 30 minutes regularly. Yeah, that that's. I mean, Schroeder's definitely the better guy to target. But if you're going with game stacks, I think it it has. It's at least worth looking at Collins and Prince for some flyers in a couple lineups. But I I was just mentioning them to basically say I don't like anyone else on the Hawks, and those are the only guys that are somewhat worth considering. All right, the next game here is the Spurs at the Grizzlies. This should be a ridiculously low-scoring game. 
I think from the Spurs side, we just we need to wait to see who's playing because this is a game that, in theory, they should win pretty easily. It is the talent of a back-to-back on the road, but the Grizzlies have just been awful lately. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them rest like a LaMarcus Aldridge or Tony Parker, I think, is basically guaranteed to be uh, rested for this game. And then we have Pau Gasol and Manu Ginobili are both questionable to play. So we'll have to come back to them to see who actually ends up starting or playing for them. The one guy who probably is going to be in play is DeJounte Murray. He's at 4,800, and the last two games in a row now, he started for the Spurs, and he's played 28 and 30 minutes. Overall, as a starter this year, he's scoring about 27 fantasy points per game in 26 minutes. So I just think 4,800 for him is probably a bit too cheap, even in what should be a really slow-paced matchup. I think that he's in play. From the Grizzlies side of the game, let's see, how many guys do they have on the injury report this time? Oh, just Jarrell Martin questionable. Uh, what is the – he played last game. Yeah, I don't think he's actually questionable. I think oh, that no, that's – so Last game he was questionable with a hand injury, and now he's questionable with a knee and ankle injury. Oh, he got re-injured somewhere else. Okay. Well, if, if Martin's playing, if we somehow know that before Locke, I think he's a really good play because James Ennis is out, Chandler Parsons is out, and Jermichael Green, I think that's the big one that affects Martin is that Jermichael Green is out also. Um, Martin was someone I considered using on the last slate, but – it was an, I think it was an 8.30 game also, and we just didn't know his status before lock, so it was too risky to use him. And I think it yeah. could be the same situation for this one. So if we know he's playing, I think he's a really good play. And if we don't know he's playing, then it's just there, – there are other choices to not take the risk when he might be out. Uh, I would agree with that. And then plus it's just not really a great matchup. I would – I mean, we don't have uh, a point total or a spread for this game because there's just so many unknowns. What what are you going to guess that the over-under is? I'll say 192 points. I think it'll be higher than that. Well, if we assume that... I think, I think I'm leaning towards uh, the scenario where Gasol comes back and plays, where Paug ends up playing, but Aldridge gets rested. I think it makes more sense to rest Aldridge if Paug Gasol is available. And I don't, I don't think Paug's wrist injury is serious. I think they are just being cautious because they're the Spurs and they're going to make the playoffs no matter what, and they rest players anyway, so... They're always cautious. Um, so if we're assuming that Gasol is in, Aldridge is out, then I would say the total is probably 195 or so. And I'm going to guess the, the game is actually around Pickham because it, this isn't really a good Spurs team. And, well, without Leonard, it's a decent Spurs team. It's not a great Spurs team. But if he's it's pretty, it's, They haven't had him all year, and they have the, what, third best record in the West? Yeah, that uh, no, they're definitely still well above average. But I, I think uh, the team without Leonard and Pau Gasol is probably just kind of a decent team. Um, and they don't have Rudy Gay, and they don't have Ginobili. Probably helps a little bit. So if we kind of if we swap in Pau for Aldridge, then I think they kind of just become an average team. If they were playing the whole season with no Leonard and Aldridge, but they did have Pau and they just had Murray and they had Kyle Anderson. Popovich. At, and right, because that's a terrible team with most coaches. I think with Popovich, maybe that's an average team. Um, and even though Memphis is bad, I think this should be a close game, assuming that Aldridge is out. So maybe a 195 total and a pick spread roughly. But I still don't think that makes it a good spot for the Grizzlies, even though they have a decent chance to win. Uh, Marcus Soule does look a little cheap, but the pace of this game should be so slow that I don't think he's worth using. I think it's just Jarrell Martin, Dehante Murray, and then whatever Spurs guys end up starting. And we'll just have to see what that ends up being later. 
Okay, so next game we have here is the Houston Rockets at the Dallas Mavericks. So, Texas matchup. James Harden at 10,900. Uh, let's see, what were his minutes like last game? Yeah, back 35 minutes, he was fine. He hasn't really played great since coming back from injury. I don't really have that much of a concern about him in terms of his play. Uh, the price is a little bit more expensive now, and this is a little bit of a slow-paced matchup, so those would be my bigger concerns for him. Uh, I, I think there's better guys to pay up for, but I guess it's worth having James Harden in your player pool, and then he does correlate decently with Clint Capella, so I don't think that Capella is a bad play if you're using Harden also. From the Dallas side of the game, uh I think I'm fine with recommending Berea as a play again. Uh, he was somebody who we liked a decent amount last game, and then I just didn't end up rostering him because a bunch of value opened up. So depending on how this slate comes about, I'll say that I think that Berea is a decent value play, 4,500, if there aren't a bunch of injuries ruling guys out. Um, and then if there is a bunch of value that opens up, there's probably just going to be other guys who I prioritize over him. Um, I actually did roster Berea on the last slate. I, I don't feel that great about him. Maybe it's a little bit of bias because he wasn't good in the last game. But I think his minutes are also just going to be a little bit lower going forward uh, because Yogi Ferrell has become a bigger part of the rotation. And Devin Harris is out or was out last game. He's actually questionable for this game. So I'd be more inclined to use Berea if Harris doesn't play because then there's just a few extra minutes for each of the Mavericks guards. I don't think I would use Berea, though, if Harris is playing or if we just don't know the status um, of I, th I think your guys. bias is a little unfair because they won the last game by 23 points, and it was just not competitive. Does Berea not play in garbage time even though he comes off the bench, and then Farrell plays garbage time even though he's a starter because he's younger? Is that the situation there? Uh, well, Berea, uh, Yogi plays garbage time, but he's also not starting right now. Oh, they've okay because they've gone back and forth with bigger and smaller lineups. I guess last game, uh, Kleber started and Dirk started. Yes. Okay, so yeah, maybe that's a little bit of unwarranted bias. Maybe Bray is a decent play, but I do like him better if we know that Devin Harris is out. Um, is this also a game where Nene is out for the Rockets, or does Clint Capella have to fend him off for more more minutes? Let's see. Is uh, Nene is playing tomorrow? All right. I mean, yeah, it's it's tough to use Capella when Nene's there, but 6,600 I think is also a little cheap for him, and he does make sense to use if you're using Harden. Um, I don't love the spot for Harden. West Matthews is kind of a tough matchup, and it's a road game in Dallas. Um, looking at the betting line, 217 is kind of just an average matchup for the Rockets, and they're minus six, but I think that line is probably inflated. The public is really heavy on the Rockets, and the Mavericks just tend to be really undervalued, especially at home. Not sure why that is. I guess they just have a really bland-looking roster, and people don't realize that they're any good. But they have played a lot of good games over the course of the season, and they've beaten some teams that they shouldn't have beat, or at least that people think they shouldn't have beat. So I don't look at this as a plus matchup for the Rockets. I guess it's kind of just a fair spot for Harden. But I'd much rather use guys like Embiid and Simmons. And if you're using both of them, then you don't have much room for Harden. So he might be someone to have a little bit of exposure to, maybe in the same category as like Anthony Davis, and uh, the Rockets are pretty much fully healthy right now. Um, I don't know how that impacts Harden's minutes. Maybe not at all, but they do have a lot of guys that are in their rotation right now. Okay, two games left here. Next one, this is also going to be a game that we just can't really form an opinion about right now. It is the Min uh, Minnesota Timberwolves and Portland Trailblazers. 
Uh, Jimmy Butler and Jamal Crawford both questionable to play. Obviously, the Jimmy Butler one is really important and huge uh, for just the overall outlook of the slate. Because if Jimmy Butler isn't able to play, then it's just so much more usage for Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, Jeff Teague, holding up so much more production with him off the floor. And then also, I think it's reasonable to expect the Timberwolves to to play a little bit faster without Jimmy Butler out there. From the Portland side of the game, uh, I think that Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Joseph Nurkic, uh, I think all of them are okay plays, and they're made better if Jimmy Butler isn't there. So we went through all these contingencies uh, for the last time that Butler and Crawford, and Jamal Crawford also still questionable, for the other night when they we had the same situation. And then we ended up finding out, I think, early in the afternoon that both were going to be out. So hopefully that's the case again. Um if we know that Butler's out, I think C.J. McCollum becomes a really strong play. Uh, it's an easier one-on-one matchup. I guess Butler would probably be the guy that guards McCollum, just both are shooting guards. And like you said, the, f- the pace is actually faster when Butler doesn't play. For whatever reason, he kind of slows the offense down a bit. Butler's also a really good defender, so it's just easier for Portland to score overall. Uh, I don't know that I would be that interested in the Minnesota side, even with Butler out. Jeff Teague is probably still too cheap at 6300 so I think he would be my favorite guy. But Bielitsa at min-price last game was a lot better of a play than he is now at 4300 And he was about 35% owned on that slate. I think he could be even higher owned here if we know that Butler's out. And there's probably not a ton of upside for him at that price. So I think he'd be usable. But with the ownership concerns, I think it would be better to fade him. I think the real impact here is that if Butler's out, there's a lot better of a chance for Portland to score points, and most notably McCollum. So he's the player I'm most interested in uh, when we're trying to figure out the news here. Um, yeah, I think I, I still, I still think I wouldn't use Lillard and McCollum together, but I still think I would use either or if Butler are out. I still think it's a good spot for a good enough spot for Lillard. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I I just wouldn't have that much Lillard because, like you said, there's negative correlation. It's just hard to use McCollum and Lillard together. And McCollum does seem to have more value in his price, and he would also benefit more from Butler being out. So just because I'd be heavy on McCollum, I'd be lighter on Lillard. But I, I do think that there is value on both of them. All right, final game on the slate. Boston Celtics playing on the tail end of a back-to-back in L.A. against the Clippers. Uh, Celtics side of the game, there's nobody who I really want to roster, as we said about this slate. Just the Celtics production tends to be really spread out with everybody healthy. I think Marcus Smart is having a really big game right now, but I'm going to assume that doesn't continue because I've seen Marcus Smart play before. He has good games from time to time, but nothing really sustainable generally from him. The Celtics are a fade for me. From the Clippers side of the game, I think Blake Griffin, Lou Williams, and I think this is a Montrez Harrell spot. The Celtics tend to play smaller lineups, so that suits Harrell well. They'll probably play a lot of Harrell at center with Blake Griffin at power forward. So I think those three are all fine plays. Yeah, I guess the concern with that, with the Celtics going small, would be that the Clippers would match them by putting Blake Griffin at center and maybe playing Wes Johnson more minutes at power forward. But they haven't really done that a lot lately. I think there was one game where they did it a bunch uh, against the Rockets a week or so ago. And for the most part, even against small lineups, they're still playing Griffin and Harrell together. So I, I do like Harrell. I think it's a good spot for him. And it's not like the Celtics are going to play small the entire game. They usually just go smaller down the stretch in the fourth quarter. So Harrell is probably my favorite play from the game. Um, yeah, Blake Griffin at 9,000 I think is fine. 
but I think there are guys in his price range. Like I'd rather use Damian Lillard than Blake Griffin for about the same price. Um, but this is a decent spot for the Clippers with DeAndre Jordan still out. And it's a better spot than normal for the Celtics in LA because Jordan's not there to defend the rim. But they're, it's just really hard with Boston. Like I don't know how you ever really use any of them unless there's an injury that opens up value because they're all kind of expensive and they just spread around the production so much. So I don't know. You could argue that Al Horford gets a big boost without DeAndre Jordan there to guard him, but I don't think it's enough to really make him usable. Okay, that is going to finish today's podcast. You could follow me on Twitter at DFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at PreachingSense. And let's see, are there basketball games on Thursday? Sometimes there aren't basketball we games. We have four on games on Thursday. Okay, so we'll do a short one for Thursday. 